electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Good riddance, September and Q3. Futures are flat as the corporate worries begin to pile up here. Nike, Micron, Meta add on to what we've already heard from CarMax and FedEx. Core PCE runs hot, as many expected, two-year 418. Our roadmap begins with another rough quarter coming to a close. The S&P now down 24% in the past three. Investors digesting policy expectations. Five Fed speakers cross the tape today. Plus, we do have Micron warning of tougher times ahead. It's planning to cut investments by up to 30 percent. Shares, though, actually up ahead of the open. Micron's chairman and CEO will join us exclusively. And when it comes to signs of a weakening consumer, well, take a look at Nike. Uh, the shares are tumbling. This is inventory source and rent-a-center is also falling as it says macro conditions hit its retail traffic. Let's begin there with the markets on this final trading day of the month and the quarter. Jim, we had talked for a while about how pre-announcements were a bit light in conference season. They've added up now. Yeah, I think that what happened is is that a lot of companies seem to be deviating from what we always thought is what you should pre-announce where if the expectations are X and you're 5% less than X, the old days, you would put out a release. Now you have companies that you may have thought were doing okay. There was there was much positive commentary about Nike going saying, "Hey, the stock has fallen so far. How much further can it fall?" There was much positive uh, commentary about Micron. Now we're going to speak to Sanjay Marotra about how it can't get any worse. And people are actually acting as if it can't get any worse, which is foolish because that just shows you that they haven't done any work. That's interesting. Um, There's a couple notes out today on Micron saying that the capex cut is making some people feel a little bit better. That's but why Sanjay's not feeling better. I mean, Sanjay, when you do the work, is saying, listen, it could be a longer time than you realize. And the CapEx is going to, the cut is going to not immediately, they're going to do everything they can. But David, you have companies, really smart companies, that seem to be genuinely surprised about how things have deteriorated. How did they not know? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, and I, I guess that may be true. Because, but at the same time, you know, I do hear sort of that, yes, uh, we're going to cite headwinds, but few are going to say this is recessionary conditions that we're facing. Well, I think they're all trying to stay away from a broad sweeping statement about recession. They are dealing with their own business. Now, I mean, Nike, I'm so used to having Nike conference calls be uplifting. and You feel like, well, well you know, put it on my Jordans and... No. I mean, this was one look. We had a huge amount of inventory in transit. We had a huge amount of inventory in the channel. We have a huge amount of inventory in the stores. It's the wrong inventory. It's apparel. And I'm thinking, is this Nike? Is this Nike? Is this a Nike I know? It's not not, the Nike I know. This is not just also strong dollar, obviously, impacting them. China lockdown clearly impacting them. Sure. I mean, that's... 
It's it's more than that. It's bad merchandising, in your opinion. Well, no, it's they 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 found out that you could. There were a lot of people who felt that the shipping would take long, and the shipping got much quicker, so that the customers got they kind of got the material before they needed it, and they don't need it anymore. And Nike was continuing to pump out the apparel. And uh, look, I, I'm sympathetic to both Nike and, and Micron because you lose China. I mean, they just lost China. You have a situation where you're not sure how long it's going to take to get merchandise. You have a situation where your retail retailers want merchandise aggressively and will double ordering. And then suddenly they got the merchandise and they can't sell the merchandise. Now, you have like Brian Cornell. I pulled up with him last week, Carl, and he took the gutsy action. He got rid of the inventory. I mean, he's my hero well, of mine. That's what Nike's going to do. He's a hero. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I put in my memo, you know, I do my memo every morning, David. I don't know if you ever see it. Oh, I It's do. called What I'm Looking At. Uh, yes, I'm I aware. bothered to put in that Ollie Stores has a major of hiring event. Now, that was meant to be a little bit of, of feast. That's true. They do have a hiring event. Yes. But will we see Nike apparel at Ollie's? I think they'd rather burn it. Like they do the Brioni, Brioni suits at the end. Well, remember what a, what a challenge it was to get them to go on Amazon. That was uh, the hill enough. Well, here's what Donahoe said about their ability to see around some of these uh, very sharp corners lately. Take a listen. We don't have any crystal ball around the external factors, whether it's FX, whether it's inflation, whether it's the impact in energy prices on consumer spending. And so uh, Matt will talk a little bit about the assumptions we have built in to our our second half, but what we're focused on is what we can control, which is staying on on the offense. And we believe that we can meet consumer demand regardless of the macro demand, meet consumers and gain share through this period. Two things, Jim. One is uh, this is gonna be the biggest gap down on earnings in 20 years on Nike. Uh, The other is um, when you put VF Corp and CarMax and Nike together in just one week that um, that these consensus estimates have to come down. Ben Stoto, who works with me on Mad Money, and I were going back and forth, and I said, listen, I want today's VF Corp's numbers. He said, well, people still cutting numbers, VF Corp? I said, absolutely. Did you say VF Corp's? VF Corp, no, I should, I like that. <laughs> VF Corp's. Well, I'm not talking about the C-O-R-P-S-con. I'm talking about, let's add an E in there. David, you love this VF Corp's. I could tell, because you've got that wry smile on your... But can we just understand that John Donahoe is a great executive? And that's what is really shocking here. John is a seasoned great executive. And they have, let's just understand, that they have a level of inventory that is shocking. And yes, he can take share. If you have 65% year over year inventory, well, you can take a lot of share because you can flood, sell anything, any price. David, taking share is not what I want to hear right now. Understood. Understood. Um, And Nike and Micron are going to be two features today. Of course, we'll talk about Micron in a bit. But back to the broader market, if I can, for a moment, because obviously it has been a painful September for anyone who owns stocks. Yes. Um, Yeah. And in fact, if you own bonds, it hasn't been great either. Um, Everything's missing. Remember, price goes down, yield goes up. But but people are very bullish. Uh, (laughs) Who's bullish? This morning, this morning I get up at 3.30 yes. and the futures are screaming. Well, the futures are up until that I, journal reporter tweeted something at 7.30. Then things turned a little bit. You know, Nick 
Oh, about PCE? Yes. Which, yeah, uh, yeah which, you know, and then it people are going to quibble about uh, financial services. Yeah. Well, it's and, still uh, way over where it should be. They're like 6.2. They want it to be a 2. And, you know, the Guardian of the Galaxy, Mester, you know, the name of <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what we're calling She's Mester? the Guardian of the Galaxy. Mester is the Guardian oh, of the Galaxy? Said the Guardians. Oh, said the, the Guardians. Got it. It takes Guardian. me a while. And then we got the commanders down there in and Washington. Steve and Steve did an interview her yesterday smoked. from Cleveland. Yes, That was one of the... Back to the NFL. Because now's the time when we have to talk about NFL the NFL. NFL had a bad night last night. Yeah. It's not going to talk about no, it. No, it wasn't. All right. but, Can uh, we talk about the, the market again this quarter? Well, this, no, I'm talking this about the horrible market. month. This wait, wait, very poor quarter. We're looking at, I'm looking at some of the gainers and losers. All right, let's go over them. And I know some of them. Let's man. go over them. Well, Charter Communications well, is the S&P lagging. Oh, yeah. Uh, broadband, obviously, uh, adds. Well, they're subtracting. They're it's not really. adding real potential competition from wireless in terms of fixed wireless. And real questions there about pricing power over time. Uh, you had that downgrade yesterday from Barclays. It was just ugly in terms yeah. of taking numbers down. Yeah. Boy, Altice, meek. Two and a half billion in equity. I had a 26 billion in debt. But... FedEx, of course, we know. Right. And then VF, VF Corps, as you it's, just it's mentioned, Van, it, which is a very recent addition. Vans very that, hot. That Vans last not number. so hot. You know what's well, interesting, though, is, is uh, that Netflix is actually one of the best gainers uh, well, Netflix, of, of the quarter. People are believing. And the ad supported. In the ad supported. In the, in the ad supported. If and, you have a, a harder, con- a consumer is a little more constrained. Yeah. You take, Look up, at that. You take those ads. Uh, I mean, you know what Constellation Energy is? You know Constellation Energy is? What? Tell me. Nuclear. Right. And people think nuclear is making a comeback. And uh, I will tell you, there will not be a nuclear But you might be surprised to see coming off the lows as they have, because Etsy and Netflix are both down sharply for the year. Badly. But they have had very strong quarters I there. Had, and I we had, will keep an eye open for Netflix's ad-supported service. It's going to be very interesting. I'm, you know, They keep talking about it as a 20, early 23 event, or at least we've heard. But right. I think it may be sooner than that. Some people telling me it could be you could be seeing it as soon as November. I know. Disney's naming who they have today, and they think that that's going to matter. There's a negative and positive piece today about Disney. Uh, Etsy, by the way, I had Josh Silverman on. Yes. They have. I don't know if you caught their their ads in the NFL, but they're, those ads are very powerful and they're working and they're bringing in business. I think that's important to know. Right. NFL ads, by the way, I keep hearing over and over again. I'm not shilling. Are working. Because the numbers are up so much for the oh, NFL. Okay. We talked about that yesterday. You're right about the new Disney Plus chief. Uh, but yep. Jessica Reef uh, does, I think she trims back down to 127 or so on Disney. Well, she's yeah, around okay. 143 or so. God, my travel trust owns it. I, I, I look, Sometimes I feel like an idiot about it. Then I come back and I think, what is, if you're looking for brands, what's a better brand? There's one. It's, no. it's, it's, it's Thank you. ubiquitous, one of the greatest brands of all time. It's not helping its stock, though, is it? No, it's trading like canopy growth. Not as good a brand. Yeah. Uh, Jim, this morning, uh, B of A, who's been bearish for a while, uh, says we're tactical bears. Um, they say short the spoos and the twos. Uh, they are looking at 33.33 on the S&P well, th- to, to get to panic, which is why I wanted to get to Gorman and what he said to you about panic uh, last night on Matt. I'm not seeing panic in that. This is not 87. It's not even 91. It's not the dot-com crash, and it's certainly not the financial crisis. That doesn't mean it can't become one of those, but it's not there yet, and behavior supports that. Uh, B of A's point is that we had Bank of England and Bank of Japan, but it's not coordinated, and it doesn't doesn't reek of panic yet, they argue. I like Bank of America, but they call it tactical, and actually that's strategic, and they ought to go look, they ought to Google those two to realize that when you make that kind of comment, it's strategic. 
because what you're saying is there's real stress in the system. That's not tactical. Uh, I think Gorman, much better, saying, look, let's put this in perspective. Gorman, by the way, is not that fond of all these people who come on and say, it's worse than 80, it's worse than this, it's worse than that. Right. He's making a specific point, which is that money was too easy, and now they have to tighten it, and there's going to be problems, but the banks are the strongest. And everyone, anytime you say the banks are strong, people say, well, they're not really strong. But when you look at the bank balance sheet, no, actually, they, they are, and the strong. Fed is on top of it. And even leverage lending, they're cutting back already. At where this is point. The, where's the leverage lending? Everyone keeps saying that that's the next big thing. No, I don't it's think so. It's not the next big I thing. I don't think so. It's just we're hungover. From, yes. We got too much. We, well, too I much mean, you're money. not going to see a lot. Listen, you heard uh, Altman on Squawk Box this morning. I mean, non-investment grade. Uh, leverage buyout's not going to get financed. Right. But, okay, and there's a handful of them out there that the banks are going to take a haircut on, whether it's right. Tenneco or Nielsen. Obviously, we saw Citrix. Right, but that's But all. this is not. No. I've been looking and looking and looking, and I'm like, guys who come on these and make these statements, can we just put it in perspective? And then Gorman comes on. Gorman's seasoned. So Gorman came here, huh? Yeah, I got him to come right He came here. right down Two here. Two segments, yeah. He asked if you work here. I said, yeah, you're, you're right out is of Dave, here. Is Faber still with you guys? Yeah, he did. He asked about Faber. Now, we were right there. Yeah, David. you were. Yeah, know. you could have dropped by. You Anytime I've interviewed him, he makes me come to Morgan Stanley, first of but, all. But, you know, he's talking about these guys who come on, like, delivering alpha, and they say, you're not. That's why I bought the 110 acres in Pennsylvania, because <laughs> they're delivering alpha. And David, barbed wire, and, and by the way, bunker with Campbell's. Can, okay. Canned peaches. Canned peaches. Canned peaches. The road. And, uh, and fruit, fruit, fruit cup. You know, with syrup. Got it. And Hawaiian punch. By the way, we're going to get that exclusive with the Micron Sanjay Marotra after the break. We're going to get to a bunch of other names. Meta, big day for Tesla. We'll get Umish. And, of course, uh, more on the hurricane and what Putin is saying today. Back in a minute. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Micron. Signaling tough times remain ahead, even though they had pre-announced before. 
due to elevated inventory level uh, and then a lot of other things, frankly, including weak consumer demand. Joining us now on a CNBC exclusive is Micron President and CEO Sanjay Marotra. Sanjay, thank you for coming on the show. Is this the worst it's ever been? Well, uh, Jim, thank you for being on your show. You know, certainly these are unprecedented times, you know, driven by unprecedented confluence of exogenous events related to China lockdowns, um, Russia-Ukraine war, uh, all of this impacting consumer as well as the supply chains, and then uh, certainly high inflation impacting consumer spending and the macroeconomic uncertainty uh, impacting the buying patterns of customers as well. And in addition, there have been, due to the strong surge in demand during the pandemic, large amounts of inventory that have been built up across our end markets, across all our end markets, at customers. And customers are now, given the macroeconomic uncertainty, going through inventory adjustments. And this is what has brought steep drop in demand for us. And we are, of course, reacting. We are reacting fast with making adjustments in our supply to bring demand and supply in balance. And of course, our financial outlook has also been impacted by aggressive pricing decline as well. So we are taking actions in order to bring supply and demand in balance. And what we see, what we currently model, is that second half of our fiscal year is when we start to see that demand will begin to ramp up because inventory adjustments, we believe, would result in significantly improved inventory at our customers by the timing of our second half, fiscal 23. Okay, people should know that the fourth, this was the fourth quarter of uh, your fiscal 2022. Okay, in your uh, conference call, you talk about massive buying of your common stock. Uh, you bought 34.5 million shares for 2.43 billion in the last fiscal year. Uh, now you have 1.5 uh, billion at perhaps negative free cash flow. Why did you buy all that stock when you now have negative free cash flow? Well, Jim, we are committed to returning our free cash flow uh, in terms of share purchases. And if you look at our share purchases in fiscal 22, yes, we did buy at record levels $2.9 billion of share repurchases during the year. And, you know, we are buying at levels that are below you know the, the highs when you compare with the highs during the year so long term i think what you have to focus on is the long term beyond this challenging environment of fiscal 23 the demand for memory and storage will continue to increase driven by applications such as ai 5g electric vehicles autonomous all of this will drive semiconductor memory to go industry to grow faster through the decade than the semiconductor industry broadly in general. So this, we do believe that our, um, we remain committed to putting our free cash flow towards share purchases. We'll be prudent, we will be opportunistic, and in the long run, we do believe that these will provide a healthy return for our shareholders. Okay, just be clear, you bought the stock back at an average of $68. It's now 49. Uh, you do, or you're cutting your uh, nearly 50% uh, wafer fab equipment capex. Do you think your competitors will also do that? And the possibility is there any possibility that things could stabilize before the middle of next year? So, look, in the DRAM industry, um, you know, historically, you see that uh, the suppliers have been disciplined, have been rational in terms of cutting back on supply when demand and supply get out of whack. 
And of course, Micron is taking aggressive actions, as you noted, 50% WFE cut in order to bring our supply in line with demand. Currently, our inventories are high. 23 will be a challenging year, but we do see that second half of our fiscal 23, demand and environment improves, revenue rebounds, and the inventories over time will improve, although will remain high. And therefore, these actions are critical. And of course, Jim, macroeconomic environment these is highly uncertain visibility is low we certainly are doing our best to manage our supply to bring it in line with demand and i th you know if you look at the past this is what has been needed in the industry to return it to normalcy an important thing is that when you go through multi cycles of the semiconductor industry that's where memory and storage is becoming a bigger part of the semiconductor industry and that's where our opportunities lie. And Micron is executing well on all the factors that we internally control in terms of our technology execution, product momentum, customer relationships, strong balance sheet, and of course, continue to look at improving our free cash flow and addressing the future opportunities and making the necessary investments for the long term. So Sanja, I want to make sure I understand, it's David. Your optimism for, let's call it, the second half of 2023 is based on previous cycles and what you think in terms of how you've positioned the company. Because you're obviously saying, listen, these are, and your CFO said it, unprecedented times, difficult to certainly see into the future with any a great clarity. So I want to understand why you do have that confidence in the second half that things are going to buzz, bounce back in terms of demand. Well, a couple of things, you know, right now, the demand to the suppliers is very low because our customers are using their inventory to fulfill the end market demand. So their usage of memory in their end market products, in their end market applications, is higher than what they're buying. So this typically takes a couple of quarters for in their inventories to get normalized. Of course, after that, supplier inventories have to be normalized as well. So one is that we believe that it will take two to three quarters for customer inventories to significantly improve. And that puts us in second half of our fiscal 23 timeframe in terms of demand trends improving. Also, in calendar year 22, uh, smartphone, and PC demand has come down significantly versus the expectations in the earlier part of the year. We do project that in calendar year 23, you know, the smart China will open up, uh, you know, post COVID, China economy should rebound. I mean, over the years you've seen, you can never write off China. As well, that will bring back some of the demand uh, trends on smartphone and PCs. So these are, look, I mean, these, this is how we are modeling it. And of course, macroeconomic environment is uncertain. Yes, visibility is low. And if, you know, there is further economic weakening beyond what we have in our expectations, then, you know, some of the timing can shift and we will make necessary adjustments. So Sanjay, given what you just said, and because a lot of your commentary was about weakening demand across end markets, can we say that you believe PC smartphones will be the first channel to turn? Well, certainly PCs and smartphones weakened first, and they will stabilize first as well, I would think. And the second thing I want to point out is that in these kind of macroeconomic uncertain environments, typically businesses do go to technology. 
you know, whether it is cloud or other applications that they leverage to increase productivity, to increase efficiency, which is required in challenging times like this, which all industries currently are facing, not unique to memory and storage industry. So technology has a way of pulling you out of these challenging times. And you know, when you think of all the applications that businesses use, such as AI, these require more insights from data. They require more memory and storage as a result. And that's, these are the kind of trends that as long as memory goes into these cycles and these down cycles first, memory tends to yeah. come out first as well. Sanjay, uh, Jim started off this interview by sort of asking you, you know, are these unprecedented times? I know your CFO used that word in the conference call. Would you agree, is this unprecedented and therefore a hard, very hard environment in which to really make predictions? I mean, no question that in terms of inventory adjustment that we are seeing, this is unprecedented. We had a record fiscal third quarter and our guide for fiscal Q1 certainly points to unprecedented levels of demand drop. Um, of course, we are taking actions too that are very rapid in terms of cutting our capex, cutting our supply growth for the year. We, we, we will be bringing the supply growth for, uh, uh, for DRAM to unprecedented low levels, record low levels as well. So this year, while the demand is at record low levels in terms of demand growth, next year the supply growth will be at record low levels and that's what will bring back the, improve the trajectory of demand supply balance in the industry. So these are certainly challenging times. Nobody has the crystal ball, but we are definitely, key thing is to take decisive actions. And you know, I've been in this industry over 40 years and over the cycles that we have gone through, I, I think that's the most important thing, to take actions with respect to restoring the industry supply demand balance. And this is exactly what Micron is doing now. That's precisely what you must do. The 50% cut, I hope, is enough to be able to turn things around by the second half of next year. Sanjay Marocha, CEO of Micron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jim. And David. Yeah. Let's take a look at the pre-market here on this final day of the month and the quarter. More Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get to the opening bell this morning on this uh, Friday, final day of September in Q3 with the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. With the big board today, it's public storage celebrating its 50th anniversary. And at the NASDAQ, it's EF Hutton Acquisition Corp celebrating its recent IPO. There's a name we don't talk about. Wow, the checks, check scandal. Incredible. Don't really see they're not the same. Uh, Carl, while we were talking to Sandra Marocher, who's kind of to come on the show, uh, Carnival reported some very bad numbers. And uh, I think that we're, remember, we were supposed to be in a service and travel economy. This would be an indication that they may be traveling, but they, they ain't cruising. And this is a very uh, stark number that's going to impact Royal and Norwegian, uh, particularly because a lot of people felt that, you know what, now that we're past COVID, 
uh, weekend start really going again, and their uh, orders were below historic levels. While you look at income and spending this morning, I mean, uh, the consumer is not saving the way they were earlier. No, and I mean, I think at a certain point, what we're going to do is start bifurcating this market, David. We're going to find companies that truly have no economic exposure or very little, and we're going to buy those. Now, I know that Professor Siegel this morning said, look, I'm an index guy, and that's fine, but I think it's our job periodically to find out what they're buying, find the bull market somewhere. And they're buying companies like uh, like PepsiCo, which have raw costs coming down, plastic coming down, tra- uh, by the way, transport coming down, and uh, price not coming down. Right. And I like that kind of situation. Yep. Uh, you, 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 yeah. You don't like Carnival, I would guess, here, or do well, you? Carnival we're just showing. Well, this is one we, of those By things. the way, we should point out, uh, because we did get an update, U.S. GAAP net loss, $770 million, adjusted net loss, $688 million for the third quarter of 22. Uh, adjusted EBITDA was over $300 million, did turn positive for the first time since they resumed, uh, they resumed cruise operations. So that's a milestone for them. And right. occupancy was up 15 percentage points from the third quarter over the second quarter. They, um, they lost 65 cents. Uh, uh, the consensus was 11 cents. So that was obviously a rye. And I, I think what we have to point out is the facts just don't support uh, the continued strength of the consumer on a micro level. Now, on the macro level, it keeps, the consumer just keeps getting stronger and stronger. But if you put together a, a mosaic of these companies, I think you'd have to say, you know what, we have to be a little more mindful of how quickly our uh, increases are playing out with companies, even though the broader data continues to support well, aggressive tightening. We've had this talk a few times now of companies that are facing lower input costs. They're hanging on to their retail margin. The spread between wholesale and retail gas is way above what the long-term average. I know. And they're going to keep doing it until they have no good excuse. Everyone should just go to Costco, okay? Go get your membership, 100 million strong, because they're not playing that game. They're playing a volume game. And they're calling all the suppliers who said, hey, you know, we've got transport is up and our resin's up. And they're saying, all right, now it's time to roll that back if you still want to sell here. That's what they do. Rich Galanti, not, not Jay Powell. Rich Galanti's in charge of inflation in this country. He's a CFO, and they're calling and every Doug, single one Doug of these Doug McMillan's companies. not doing that at Walmart? Shouldn't he be? Isn't that what Walmart has been known for for mo- most of its history since Sam talk. Walton founded it? They don't talk to me. I don't know. They don't talk Saying, to me. Saying, hey, come on. You can do better. Well, that was my understanding. But Rich Galanti spelled it out in a way that is very important in the conference call. I don't have as close a sources at Walmart as you do. Well, because no, you, I don't have them anymore either. Did, come on, you did The Age of Walmart, the I, I seminal did. documentary. I did two of them, but it was a long time ago. Yes, I'm touching you to let you know. It was a long no, no, time don't touch ago. This. this is a nice... Uh, I did get to know Doug a bit, but even that's well, look, a long look, time ago. I, I think at Costco, remember, is not a margin game. It's a volume game. So they're going after everybody and saying, time to roll back. Now, that will mean, as they always have, Carl, they take huge share. Now, this is not the kind of share that Nike's taking by, by default. It's Costco saying, okay, this is our chance. Everybody raised prices. Now, you got if you want to be in our stores, we have very few SKUs. If you still want to sell in Costco, you roll back. And if you're, if you're a supplier, you do want to sell in Costco because it's 100 million members. Yeah. So follow them, not follow j 
We didn't really t touch it on uh, what Zuckerberg told employees about restructuring teams, uh, freezing hiring, the fact that he had expected maybe the economy to stabilize by now. If anything, it's gotten worse. Well, I thought it was interesting because if you remember in the last conference call, um, he said it's going to get worse. So then it got worse, and I was surprised to hear him say, well, it got worse because he lowered the boom. And by conversations with the company, I made it very clear that if, you, if you're going to start your conference call by saying the worst is yet to come, that doesn't really give us a lot to be able to say positive about your company. So now we have the worst. And yet, David, what's that? That's a $10 billion company. Let's do something with it. It's, I would hope so. They spent even more than that to buy it, as, as I recall. Well, there's a sales. The sales are good. Well, you could spin that off. You could make that merger with a, with a cable company for all Okay, WhatsApp with a cable company? Well, I mean, a communication. You just think there's a lot of value at WhatsApp? That's what I'm saying. And they haven't fully monetized it? No, they Not haven't monetized close. it at all. But, you know, but look, Mark has said the worst is yet to come, so people are buying the stock. I, I, I don't know, Carl. I mean, I'm like, everyone wants to anticipate the bottom. And yet you have guys like Zuckerberg who are saying, listen, it's not the bottom. It, it, you go buy a stock, but it's not the bottom. Sanjay Marotra, he's not saying that the bottom's here. Carnival no. Cruz not saying the bottom's here. John Dono and Nike's not saying the bottom's here. You want to anticipate? You want to anticipate the bearishness? The, the, the tactical bearishness? But, but they're but talking Jimmy. They're talking economy, aren't they? I mean, yeah. markets going to no, bottom way They're talking, they don't know. Yeah. Well, all right, I mean, but, they're, they're like the weather people. Is the storm going to hit us? It's in but, South Carolina, for heaven's sake. I mean, this is what we sit here every day talking about is, all right, fine, what the, what the businesses may see, but has the market already accounted for it? I mean, it was kind of interesting well, to see Micron stock not really actually see, up at the yeah. open and Wait, down. How many people told you to buy Nike ahead of that quarter? They said, it's all down. It can't be down anymore. It's like five. The worst I mean, is in. Micron's, and up, you're down Micron's up 3.2%. Well, okay, well, okay right? so wait. Let's, so the, let's the judge it all by the first. You get to a the, point where, you're, you're right, where the market six is minutes, Six minutes. You're up. It's up. You're right. Six minutes. He's got it. Look, I, look, Micron, I've seen Micron. Go to check 2018. It can get, it can get worse. I, I think the company's Many very good. It it did, we worse. didn't mention it got the $300 million for Japan. That was re very good. I'm just saying that Sanjay is not bullish. So you want to anticipate when the bottom occurs. That's great. But it's a long time between now and the second half of next year. By the year. time Marotra says coast is clear. Oh, then it's at 90. Anyway, yes. Then it's at 90. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying that, look, there's a lot of companies that are doing incredibly well. Why do I have to buy a company that's not doing well? Such that's as? what I'm saying. Colgate, they're doing incredibly well. PepsiCo's doing, Coca-Cola's doing incredibly well. Eli Lilly's having a monster quarter and a monster year. Uh, these are real companies, David. United Health is doing amazingly. They keep raising the prices. You know, see, if United Health came on, they would say, well, our price increases are sticking and people need us and Optum's doing well. You Optus, talked about Humana. Yeah. Humana my travel trust on Humana, it's one of the greatest stories. I switched to Humana. Because they were offering a program that wasn't that great. They changed the offering. Anybody who listened to it, is the offering's much better. And then I've got Micron, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, what happens? To it? I happen to like Qualcomm very much. I've been very wrong. I like Christian Amato. I think he's a good man. But what do I do? What do I do when the number comes out and it's not good? What do I do? Just say, hey, that's not my job. It's fine. I can take a beating. The beatings will continue until the morale gets better. I know. Well, it's the conundrum that many investors are facing right now. Well, why not buy good companies? Why do we have to buy companies that aren't doing well and anticipating the bottom when we can buy really good companies that are doing well right now and their stocks are going higher? Yeah. What's the matter with that? 
Oh, there's nothing, the, nothing wrong with that. That makes sense. Right? You include it's Apple difficult in that to choreograph. Okay, so Apple, we had JJ Kinnaman's on. I mean, it's the last refuge. Look, I happen to think that the high-end Apple is doing well. The low-end Apple, there's too much inventory. I like the service economy, but Apple has had periods where it's been down 20, 25%, and you had to buy it, not sell it. That's all I have to say about Apple. You have to buy it, not sell it. Right. You will not catch the bottom in Apple. So that will be caught by someone else, but you'll get in the stock before the next big move. Um, guys, uh, it's Friday. Sometimes like to come back to uh, SPACs. Once, of course, the home of great speculation, great opportunity, great hopes, and as we like to say, dreams. Because remember the days when everybody had a SPAC and a dream. Well, SPAC dreams continue to die. I wanted to update people because Liberty Media. Remember, it's always interesting that Liberty Media, which in many ways resembles a SPAC in and of itself, yeah. trying to figure out the best way to buy different assets and position its portfolio okay. appropriately and use various and often complex structures to do so, would have launched a SPAC. But they did, but now they're done. Uh, Liberty Media saying, you know what, we'd love to get permission from you guys to wrap this whole thing up uh, even sooner than our termination date of January 26th. Why? Well. Uh, we've observed what it believes were high valuations in 21, a declining IPO market in 22, significant public uh, and private market volatility, which prevented the company from securing an opportunity that it believes will offer a compelling return on investment for its stockholders. And so another SPAC dream dies. By the way, a week ago did not point out, uh, guys, that uh, uh, Cone Robbins, that well-known SPAC, very large SPAC that was right. actually buying a European uh, lottery operator Allwin called off their deal. Their termination date is a few months out, but one would expect, like so many recent uh, SPACs, which has been getting more and more of them, you're going to liquidate. Your termination date comes up, and you liquidate. Your SPAC dream dies. You know, they used to, when you said something negative about them, they used to defend them. Who? So, the SPACers. Oh. Now, I was approached by, th for, by three specs. I'm sure you were. To give up, while well, I was in contract talks, let's just give up everything. Just roll into be, a spec. Yeah, just be, and you'd be the face of the spec, whatever. Right. And I said, you people are charlatans and mountbanks, and they never spoke to me again. And you know what? I'm gratified, because I have a lot of friends. I don't need new friends. Well, the market could use some friends, Carl. The Nasdaq's down another half a percent, the S&P down a bit more than that. Again, a lot of weakness in autos I'm looking at here with GM down another 2% in Ford. Unbelievable. The selling just continues. And there's um, J&J. Somewhat you know, unabated. Hanging in there. There's Merck. There's J&J. Yep, all hanging in there. Well, I mean, Carl, like, like, I, I think our job is to point out that there will be stocks like Apple that will be up eventually. I mean, if you bought the 10 most actively traded stocks in the dumbest day in history, which is the day before the crash in 87, a year later you were okay. You were up. So that's, I mean, it's okay. I, I don't mind anyone buying, but you have to recognize that you could lose more money. That's all I'm saying. But you have other stocks where you actually may make money if you buy them. And I prefer making money than losing money. That's a strategic analysis, not yeah. tactical. It's <laughs> a good point. As we go to break, let's watch bonds today. Going to get very busy. We got uh, core PCE, as we mentioned, 4.9 uh, year on year. Estimate was 4.7. We still got to get uh, through a bunch of Fed speak today, uh, including Brainerd and Bowman and Barkin and Williams. And you mission at the top of the hour. There's a look at bonds this morning. Two years still below 4.2. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick Santelli here. 
Live at the CME HQ with breaking news. There's going to be more yet to come. This breaking news is S&P Global. Well, it's the Chicago PMI. And the reason Chicago PMI is important is because we watch some of the more national numbers like ISM and S&P Global. We're expecting 51.8. Wow, this number is not good. 45.7. This is rather shocking, actually. 45.7. That is the lowest level on the Chicago PMI going all the way back to June of 2020. June of 2020, so over two years. And in the rearview mirror is 52.2. And keep in mind, uh, we haven't been under 50. We haven't been under 50 since June of 2020. We see that interest rates, well, they're moving lower. And, and what's fascinating is, is that we're right around 3.69 on a 10-year, 3.69%. That's down 10 basis points on the day, but it's unchanged on the week because we've had a wild week of rates moving higher and now significantly lower. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. Haven't talked Twitter. Uh, take a look. I mean, just, just this week, you know, you want to play Risk Arbor at home. It's been a decent week for you. Uh, if you've been following the goings-on, of course, in the Delaware court, we're getting closer and closer to the 17th, uh, which is when... Both sides will square off in front of Chancellor McCormick, but they've already been doing it. Long hearing on Wednesday. We're still waiting on an opinion from her. You know, both sides claiming privilege for certain communications. Growing frustration, it would seem, from Chancellor McCormick, though, with uh, Elon Musk's use of Signal, the messaging app that he, by the way, says is the least insecure, meaning the best. He also deleted a number of uh, potential texts that Twitter wants to get its hands on. And Signal obviously has very strong encryption. Um, so, you know, we'll see what comes out of the hearing and what either side is, is able to get a hold of that they don't already. But, uh, you know, Twitter is alleging sort of bad actions on the part of, of Musk and his lawyers in terms of what they really are saying they're going to give and what they're actually providing. And then you got the back and forth between Dorsey uh, and Musk, which has gotten some uh, attention. Uh, this morning or late yesterday in terms of their text messages. Interesting to see the back and forth between Musk and Dorsey and Dorsey's sort of endorsement of Musk taking over, uh, but not particularly relevant to the case itself, which again is going to go back to whether or not Musk has the right to actually back out of the deal because he claims there are more bots in the platform uh, than Twitter has said previously. Um, no talk of, no hearing of settlement yet. I'm not hearing it. Uh, I may be missing it. There is still, Jim, an expectation, and I know you've had it to a certain extent, that at some point, you know, McCormick gently tries to encourage the parties to bring, not bring this to her courtroom. Right. That's what, um, I, think, that's what I think will happen. And some people believe that will potentially happen. What, does it have a five in front of it if you're Twitter? Probably, given the strength of their case. Well, uh, um, but who knows if we'll get there. Meanwhile, the stock creeping closer and closer no, to 5420. No, because we're, saying we're, right, we're going to be right. I mean, this is the way the court works. They try to get a deal, but Brett, you know, Brett, well, Brett Taylor, the chairman, will argue that we, we should get the full vote. Uh, I think something will, will be done a little bit less. And I was surprised, David, when you read the uh, when you read some of the tweets, did you notice that, that the, the Musk text, and, actually, not the tweets. Text, yeah. that, that, sorry, the text. The, that Parag and Musk liked each other like on April 7th, and then on April 9th, they 
They disliked each other. They disliked each other. So yeah. how does that work, David, among, all the, among these CEOs billionaires? How does that work? I don't know how that like, works. They, There's like, all sorts of fun little interesting things here. It's so text, prurient, isn't it? You know, yeah, signal text between, I mean, text between Larry Ellison oh my God. and Elon Musk. Unbelievable. They do the same Roughly things we do. dollar size. Yeah. A billion or whatever you recommend. Right. Uh, whatever works for you, I'd recommend maybe two billion. Yeah. Sure. How about Kilconis? No problem. I know. And then My favorite is like they do the same thing. Can I call you? Not right now. How about tomorrow? Maybe, no. you know, what? Good now? Good? No, I, they oh, were like just people. Just call. They were like people. I mean, it was shocking. Except for, I mean, shocking. Musk like basically says, listen, I'm an engineer. And Barry said, I'm an engineer. Like, okay. Wow. All right. Well, let's just work that out. And then I'm bored. I'm going to buy your company. I mean, who says this stuff? I'm bored. I'm going to buy your company. Meanwhile, Gorman yesterday didn't say anything, right, when you had him on. About about he, Morgan Stanley, he did, he did. which he is, said he couldn't talk about. It. <laughs> uh, we've uh, shaved the opening loss. Dow's down 100. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Morning, guys. And the basic problem today is uh, the PCE uh, numbers were not sufficiently low. They were a little hotter than expected. So you can't get this narrative going that we're seeing consistently declining inflation. That's the major problem. Fed's not going to let up based on these numbers that we've seen. Uh, Take a look at the sectors here. Uh, It's very defensive, basically. Uh, Nice to see REITs bouncing after a terrible quarter, but utilities Consumer, uh, these are the least down, uh, healthcare. Uh, the stuff that I care about, the cyclical stuff, metals, the semis, the autos, all are underperforming today. That's not a good sign. I wanted to show you the quarterly performance. It's not the monthly that matters, it's the quarterly, because remember, we were near a bottom at the end of June. So you want to see what's much worse. So the s and down about 4%. Uh, and you see what higher rates are doing to REITs. They're just destroying them. It's a stunning 60% declines in some of these mortgage REITs this year. Communication services, semis, materials. This is all the stuff that's doing worse since the end of June and worse than the S&P. And they're cyclicals. That's what you want to see here. And that's what jumps out at me. Uh, for Nike, what, what can we say about Nike to the broader market? Too much inventory. Okay. Yes, uh, this interest in the inventories are up this much, uh, and particularly in North America. China sales down 16%. That tells me they're still vulnerable to the shutdowns there. I guess you could switch this around and say supply chains are, chains are easing. Uh, that's a little bit of a positive spin to put on it. Uh, but promotions are going to weigh on the margins, uh, and that's the read-through. Our margin pressures, uh, uh, particularly over higher prices, going to get a lot of uh, uh, issue, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, next week. Here you see the retailers, a lot of new lows here. Gap's a new low there, uh, big locks. That's a new low. Nike's close as well. Uh, finally, Jeremy Siegel's got a new edition of his classic book, Stocks for the Long Run Out, containing all new data and stock bond information. This is the encyclopedia, folks, that you want. Now, remember, Stanley Druckenmiller uh, was on Delivering Alpha on Wednesday saying he expects the Dow Jones Industrial Average to essentially be flat in 10 years. Siegel took issue with that conclusion. I see no way that 10 years from now the Dow can be the same. I mean, um, yeah, we might go through a recession, Fed over Titans. Stocks are claims on real assets. They're claims on land and capital, intellectual property, copyrights. Those things will go up with inflation. So to, to think that, you know, the Dow is going to be the same 20 years ago uh, from now, really, I think, totally flies in the face of history. And he meant uh, 10 years from now, of course. Uh, His main conclusion in the book, Carl, inflation adjusted, stocks move up 6.7% a year and about 10% not inflation adjusted. This is his key uh, conclusion. And we'll have more on my interview 
with Siegel on CNBC Pro. And Carl, this is why Jeremy Siegel is famous for that contribution to financial history. This is one of the great financial investment books of all time. It's on my shelf, should be on yours too. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob, fantastic. Uh, Bob Pisani. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, absolutely. The 6% is, I think, right. Chipotle. Uh, this morning, Baird has a piece talking about whether this new garlic Cajillo uh, uh, steak limited offer is going to impact numbers, but then st- pulls back and says, stop trying to judge this company on the limited offers and just accept the fact that this is still the premier. And I agree with that. This is the premier quick serve restaurant to go to. And I stand by the idea, as this is analyst, that this is an opportunity to buy a company like this uh, in a difficult environment. You've long said it's all about throughput. They, they, they know how to do yeah. it, and they know how to manage their finances. And Brian Nichols, a genius, and Jack Hartung, CFO, is fantastic. And I'm standing by my long-standing thing that I like that company, and I also like Starbucks. Now that right. that Luxman's there and Howard's there, and I don't. I'm not all negative. I just want to buy companies that are good. You like that? That's smart. Remember on a podcast, you can't buy just go. companies that are good. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, oh, don't. Jim, good weekend. We'll see you tonight. <laughs> Bad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time, of course. Just quoting you. Dow's gone green. We're back after a break. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.